Whether you're an experienced supervisor or brand new to leading others, the ability to nurture and bring out the best in those you lead is key to organizational success. In today's episode, we'll explore one strategy that can help you coach the individual contributors in your organization towards self-discovery and growth. I'm your host, Jordan Carmack, a leadership development and communication skill coach in London, Kentucky, and you're listening to Women of the Bluegrass, a leadership development podcast for and about women leading the way in Kentucky industries. Today's guest is Dr. Sarah Adkins, Department Chair for the Health, Exercise, and Sports Science Program at University of the Cumberlands. As a professor, she emphasizes leadership and pedagogy in her classroom and instills in her students the power of role modeling and the important impact that athletic coaches have on community health. A certified professional trainer, health education specialist, and former United States swim coach to all ages, her experience coaching students, athletes, and future coaches give her insight into leadership wisdom applicable to many industries. Let's get into our conversation. Dr. Sarah Adkins, I'm so excited to have you on the show to share your expertise with our listeners, but I am even more grateful to get to call you my friend. So you've worked with hundreds of people through the years, students, athletes, faculty, deriving and encouraging them to do their best, right? Yeah, that's your been your focus. And you've done this through cognitive coaching, right? Yes, that's been a huge part of um, everything I've done for the last probably 13 years. Yeah. So my big question here is, have you used it on your kids? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Um, Yes, probably more often than they like. (laughs) Are they to the point where they can pick up, oh, she's using that technique on me again, or do they not quite know that you're doing it yet? I'm assuming they're not going to listen to this podcast. Um, They might, actually. I often listen to the podcast while I'm cooking dinner. So so are you telling me you're a listener? (laughs) Oh, I am. You're a Women of the Bluegrass, faithful listener. Of course. I love it. I love it. That's how I know you're my friend. (laughs) (laughs) that's true so for our listeners who've never heard of cognitive coaching before what is it so cognitive coaching started out as a mentoring tool mainly for educators um, because back well before covid and and everything that has gone on in our world the last few years more than uh, 50 percent of teachers would quit the profession in the first five years Mm. and to go to school for that long and have that passion for working with students and then to quit, it just, it really hit me that Mm. um, what cognitive coaching does, increasing that self-efficacy was really important. Mm -hmm. And in my job, I'm working with future educators, but also with those that aren't future educators. They might be coaches or um, Mm. leaders in their community. And I thought, well, why not? (laughs) They should also be doing some of these same things. They should also um, have higher self-efficacy levels. So Mm. um, I've just when I learned it, I continued to run with it. And uh, whether they like it or not, my students <laughs> get it quite often. Yeah. Right. So there's something in it that clicked for you. Yes. So walk us through what cognitive coaching might look like. Um, it is very hard to explain. It's okay. a set of questions that I generally ask to mm-hmm. get students to think with um, multiple areas of their brains mm. and in ways that they normally don't 
think of things okay. um, to try and get that aha moment to happen. Right. Um, at the same time, I use the reflecting conversations most mm-hmm. frequently mm-hmm. because I'm trying to help with the critical thinking and um, increase those self-efficacy levels while also helping them to think of things in their world a little bit differently. So when you say reflecting questions or a reflecting mm-hmm. conversation, what kind of questions do you use? Um, I will ask questions to get them to think back on an experience, uh, to try mm-hmm. and figure out why it went the way it did, to mm-hmm. um, think about what of that information they can really apply into their future, mm-hmm. how they might use it, and what success might look like in that. Oh, okay. And then to think about what that reflection process has given them Um, in that time that they have taken to reflect on that. In cognitive coaching, there's also like problem resolving or conflict resolution sorts of conversations. But just in in my current line of work and my Mm -hmm. career, we use reflection most often. So this would obviously work when you're working with students, um, particularly maybe athletes who are looking back on previous um, performances. Mm -hmm. But this could work for managers, too. If they're giving feedback or they're working with an employee and trying to coach them into improving their workplace performance by beginning with that kind of reflection. Um, do you have any stories or things you can think? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with those. Like any <laughs> specific story or case you could share about a reflecting or coaching conversation? Um, Bring this to life for us. Yeah. Well, first, I do have to say that um, I am not being paid by <laughs> by the company at all whatsoever. I've not been even through the training to teach people mm. how to do cognitive okay. coaching. I've just gone through trainings in cognitive coaching myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have used it. And that's mm. their, their whole idea. When Costa and Garmson came up with it, it was more of a let's try and get this idea to expand and, and to help people. So um, I use it with my students mm-hmm. in assignments, but also we will have one-on-one conversations about experiences. And because I teach teachers how to teach or teach people how to lead others, um, often it'll be one-on-one conversation about an experience they had while teaching their peers in the classroom. And I will ask them if their lesson went the way they thought it would and Mm -hmm. and why that might be. Um, A lot of the questioning in itself isn't my idea. I try Mm -hmm. and keep my ideas or my thoughts or my opinions on how they did completely out of it. It, And I tell them in the beginning, it has nothing. This is nothing to do with their grade. They get the points because they showed up and they talked about it. (laughs) And often they will tell me that it's either like um, going to therapy (laughs) (laughs) Or having coffee with a friend. Hmm. And sometimes they say a job interview. And and I tell them that no matter what, it can be however they feel like it is because it's all in how they're approaching it in their own thinking and how used used to thinking in multiple different ways that they are. Mm -hmm. And then when the conversation is over and we've gone through the reflection process, I'll tell them what areas that they can improve upon, whether it be putting themselves in someone else's shoes or thinking um, a little bit more in detail Mm -hmm. about uh, specificity in a certain thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And then they leave and I tell them, you're probably going to keep thinking about this. And that's okay. (laughs) That's the whole point in it is to continue to process it um, so that they can do better Mm -hmm. next time and they can feel more like they can handle it. Mm. Um, I've had a lot of students who never thought they would go into (laughs) education. And then after having the classes and going through cognitive coaching, they've decided to use that to be substitute teachers. Or they say, I finished my undergrad and I'm going to do a graduate degree in teaching. I'm going to go into the field because I feel like I can do it. And 
while I'd like to say it's because of their experience in my class, I don't know <laughs> that it necessarily is. Um, but I hope that some of that self-efficacy is because of the cognitive coaching. So that increased confidence and their ability to assess their own experiences and behaviors and then make improvements based on that experience. Yes. So just to make sure I'm understanding this right, I'm going to try to um, come up with an on-the-fly example. So if you and I were to sit down at the end of this podcast <laughs> and talk about your experience of being on the blue, uh, the Women of the Bluegrass podcast, I might say, and again, correct me, you're the coach, so I might say <laughs> something like, how did you think that went? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What other questions could I, could I ask? Um, you could ask, why do you think it went that way? Mm-hmm. So if I, if you were to say, oh, I think it was, it was amazing. It was the best podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> then I could prompt you with the, well, why is that yes. kind of approach? Yes. And, and what well, this is something that you mentioned is that really it's not about the person asking the questions. Mm-hmm. It's about the other person coming to their own conclusions about their own behavior. Exactly. And so another question I might ask, you mentioned um, taking other perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I might say, if you were listening to this podcast, how do you think it went if you were a listener? Right. Or um, what do you think the listeners got out of the experience? Oh, see, mm-hmm. I'm seeing how valuable this could be because mm-hmm. now we're taking a perspective that's not of the interviewer or the interviewee. And said so we're focused on the listener. And anytime you can take additional perspectives, that's good for critical thinking, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you are a college student, a high school student, um, an employee, but particularly if you're a leader, we should all be engaging in that perspective taking. Um, so what would you say is the most valuable takeaway if a leader were going to implement cognitive coaching? First, I'd say go through a training. <laughs> <laughs> right, because right. Sit in on some seminars or yes. workshops, take a webinar or something, read a book and yes. start there. Um, the trainings themselves can be days long sometimes mm-hmm. if they're really going in depth. It's it's much longer than our, our mm-hmm. thirty minute podcast oh, or sure. so. So yep. first, I'd say do that because it's a it gives you a better understanding of mm-hmm. how the brain works mm-hmm. about responses that you'll get for people and figuring out how to ask the right question and when in mm-hmm. order to really help their critical thinking to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so start start off with that. Hey, <laughs> I'm always a fan of anything that begins with read a book, take a training, because <laughs> as a trainer, I love to learn. That's just yeah. a huge part of it. Um, so for you personally, as you've engaged with cognitive coaching, now you also studied some cognitive coaching for your PhD research, right? Do I remember yes, that? Yes, yes. I included that in my dissertation research. Mm-hmm. And what did you study? Specifically for the dissertation, I looked at um, the leadership style preferences Mm -hmm. of NAIA coaches. Um, So I looked at that first Mm -hmm. and then analyzed some sociological perspectives to figure out what maybe impacted that um, preferred leadership style. Mm -hmm. I didn't look at what they were using, just what they preferred. Mm -hmm. And so was cognitive coaching something that came out of that or did you know about it before? Oh, I knew about it before (laughs) (laughs) and and actually um, really Mm -hmm. believe that even though cognitive coaching has been mainly for education, it can be used in a lot of different fields. 
well, even from a management perspective in business or nonprofit mm-hmm. work or um, gosh, I'm even if you're an elementary school teacher, even you mm-hmm. could be using some of these basic questions with your kiddos. Um, so you are passionate about leadership, obviously, whether you are leading the, the faculty in your department or if it's um, teaching teachers or working with coaches or athletes. Um, you seem like you're pretty passionate about leadership in general. Mm hmm. Yeah, I um, I have a lot of quotes sitting around in my <laughs> office, and and that's just because um, I am so passionate about it. One of them that is maybe from an unexpected source is being on a team is the best thing you can do because being on a team means you help me and I help you. It's from Dora the Explorer. What? I can um, tell you have kids. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, but it, it for me, that's so true. I um, really lean on the fact that my team is, I'm just a one little piece of it. Mm-hmm. it. It is all of us working together. And there are things that they can do that I can't do. And I don't believe that any one of us should have all the power in that relationship. If right. something happens to me, I want them to be able mm-hmm. to pick up and run with it just like if I were there because um, that's so important to a really successful thriving organization doesn't matter what it is so it's not about empire building it's about collaborating together to move the ball forward exactly to use a sports metaphor not that I'm particularly sporty (laughs) but hey this feels appropriate in this context Um, I promise I won't come up with any other sports metaphors (laughs) in the rest of the podcast Um, so in one of the ways actually was it the we met in in our phd program first and then we did leadership tri-county together yes in the tri-county area and received some training got to know our region better and then you actually went on to do the the leadership kentucky bright program for leaders in eastern kentucky can you tell a little bit about about that experience about bright specifically yeah um bright I have no words to describe, which I know is not great for a podcast, (laughs) but no words to describe how fantastic that experience Mm -hmm. really was for me and life changing on a very personal level. Mm. Um, I didn't, some people get a lot of professional change out of it, but for me, it was more of realizing not being from the area, being from Louisville and, and the Southern Indiana area. Um, that I have so many people that I can count on and rely on in southeastern Kentucky that are there for me no matter what happens in life and um, can do a lot more than I thought possible on my own. Mm. Um, Just having those people to surround you and lift you up in, in difficult times is, you know, it's, amazing and and that's a lot of what bright was it's something that it still to this day is um for a lot of us in the organization Uh, if somebody needs something we call them and or we all pitch in and and help Mm -hmm. out where it's needed it's a a network of leaders Mm -hmm. who are all passionate about can I say moving the ball forward again? Is that bad to use even my bad metaphor twice? I don't know. Um, and that seems to be really the value. And it, it seems like it aligns with the leadership style that you emphasize mm-hmm. is, again, not necessarily this authoritarian approach, but a, hey, let's, I want to empower you and empower one another to work together to accomplish these things. Um, we were talking before, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to drop a book reference. Anybody who knows me knows I'm always reading something, usually leadership or leadership development, personal development related. Um, I'm working on a book called Multipliers um, by Liz Wiseman. And um, she has an organization called the Wiseman Group and they've been researching um, what they call multipliers or these leaders who are 
able to lead by making every el- everyone else in the room smarter. And it's it's this incredible approach that says we lead best and we get the best work out of people and, and help them innovate more um, whenever they walk away from a conversation with you saying, man, I'm really capable. I can go out and do this. I feel empowered to present ideas or pursue um, new things because of what my leader has done for me instead of what they call diminishers and diminishers are more apt to say I'm the smartest person in the room and I know the best way to do this and all of the best ideas come from me Um, and so it's a great book so far Um, I'm sure I'll I'll reference again at some point um, whenever I finish it but 10 out of 10 recommend so far for that one it seems like it that might you might be a multiplier style based on what you're telling me so far I'll have to read the book but I think <laughs> I, I might agree with you on that <laughs> um so what is we're gonna switch gears I've got a set of questions that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast just because I think we all um, benefit from a couple of these things um, as leaders personal development and professional development is a priority for us we're always reading something um, and we should so what is one area of growth for you these days <laughs> I love that question because I'm relearning relearning Spanish okay, oh, okay. again um, so you knew Spanish before you were fluent before I wouldn't say fluent okay. un poco, very little <laughs> uh-huh. um, I I know it I can read it mm-hmm. I can listen to a conversation and understand most of it but as far as having a real conversation with someone oh. <laughs> could never really do it and that's just from multiple years of, of taking it in school and mm-hmm. not really putting it to good use mm. Um and so it's always been a goal of mine to relearn it, get better at it again. And so I'm working on it. It's okay. I've had to realize it's okay to fail and start over because at least I'm still trying and trying to, you know, really work on my own personal growth. So, mm-hmm. And so in this case, it's language development yeah. is something you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think you're setting a great example, both for your family and also for your students, too. Have you been open with them about pursuing Spanish do this your students know that I have not um, brought it up with my students yet although they know that before I was um, I knew some Spanish I know some Italian um, but I often get the two confused because (laughs) they're very close to one another right right Um, so they they will Mm -hmm. I think as we end up having more conversations I do Mm -hmm. see it as something that can help to make a student feel more comfortable in my classroom when Mm -hmm. I can understand things um, from their own culture a little bit more so Mm -hmm. yeah so that's a that's a great area of growth and it reminds me of the languages that I've attempted to learn through Duolingo badly over the over the years um so um another question and this is actually sort of our final question share one piece of advice that you have received that's been a game changer for you professionally or personally this one would be both Um, okay professional and personal so in fifth grade I had this amazing fifth grade teacher and her name was Miss Goins. Um, I believe her family may be from our area, Mm -hmm. but she would always tell her students, you can do anything you want to if you have the want to bad enough. And that is something I have just taken and run with it my whole life, Um, both in the personal reaching my own personal goals and the professional. Um, 
I knew from a young age I wanted to be a doctor. Maybe just, you know, not uh-huh. the same kind of doctor I am <laughs> right now. MD versus a PhD. It's right, fine. right. Same, whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I have really taken a lot of that belief with me uh, going through my life and have just, I, I appreciate everything that, that she gave us as our, our own little fifth graders, mm-hmm. because it has been a lifelong thing. And, and not just for myself, but I've, I've spoken to other students in her class. Um, and it really, you can see the impact that mm-hmm. teachers can have on their classrooms every single day mm-hmm. through that. So I'd say that um, it's, it's more about a passion for for the growth and, and doing everything that I want to do, reaching those goals, than it is necessarily about profession or position or anything like that okay now wait a minute I want to take a step back and really dig Mm -hmm. into that a little bit more because what you've just said is that it's not necessarily about reaching that title right or that job title or that salary range but I hate to say it's just about the journey instead but it's about the chase like it's about learning and growth and and doing your best you can every single day yeah regardless of what that is right um, there was a somebody asked a question in one of the Facebook career groups that I'm in and you know they said I, I've got the job that I wanted I've got the title that I wanted I'm making a good salary but I don't know what to do next mm-hmm. what am I supposed to I'm in my late 20s first of all I was like whoa 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 <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing where you figured this out by your late 20s but maybe you need to shift gears a little bit and stop focusing just on the, the title and the salary and say what if what are the things that I could chase right what makes you happy yeah um, feel that sense of fulfillment um, and I think regardless of what the individual passions people have I think giving back always makes people feel better and maybe it's in a nonprofit context maybe it's in an educational context maybe it's in mentoring or coaching Um, which has a lot to do with mentoring or discipleship where you're in these ongoing relationships where you're helping um, helping people be better people or grow in their professions or their careers you're sharing expertise um, which is what you know I look at this podcast as empowering women in their communities to sort of share their expertise with our overall community share their stories um, share their knowledge um, or their wisdom or their insights um, and so if we can do more of that I think that's an exciting next next step of growth when you begin to get to share um, so I love that okay. your fifth grade teacher yeah hmm. we're still friends <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah. um i hope I she's listening shout out yeah. <laughs> well you'll have to send the podcast episode to her yeah for sure um so uh as we get ready to wrap up um i know you said that you had put together some some quotes oh goodness <laughs> on on your list of things that you like um and used to motivate you did you have any others that you would want to share only because i know you're a researcher and i know <laughs> that these are probably amazing were there any others that you use in your life that you would want to share there's one um chinese proverb that i really like um but it was also on the movie racing extinction which i don't know if you saw but nope i don't um, think so it's a good one. You should check it out if you haven't. It's um, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness, which kind of goes along with what we've just been talking yeah. about. It's better to motivate someone, even if it's just one person, mm-hmm. instead of a whole group of individuals to do something mm-hmm. better, to be better, to reach their potential. 
than it is to be angry that no one has done that. And you could take that <laughs> a lot of different ways, yeah. but I really like that one. Mm. That ties back to the conversation about cognitive coaching too mm -hmm. and recognizing that really we all need to have a coach of some kind in our life who can ask us those reflecting questions, who can help us process. I know I'm an external processor, so it's um, not hard to make me stop start talking <laughs> I'm usually just gonna word vomit and process everything out loud um but sometimes even in that personality type I need somebody to prompt me with the right questions to help mm. figure out where I need to grow where I really need to improve how I want to address certain situations by helping me with that and finding that mentor finding that coach who can ask me those questions was a really big step in my development um and so by maybe there's somebody out there that you know, needs to be that coach, needs to be that mentor for somebody else, be the one who lights the candle right. in the darkness. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you have any others? You you look like you had one other. Oh, I, I have a lot list. of others. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one. We'll take one. We'll take one more. Um, so I kind of already talked about uh, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that your impact lasts in your absence. Um, but one thing that through my college experience that I really also have tried to live mm -hmm. quite often mm -hmm. is um, by Gandhi. It's to believe in something and not live it, live it is dishonest. Mm. Why do you like that one? Because uh, especially in my profession, when you're working with coaches or you're working with trainers or, or someone who is promoting health and fitness and they are not being healthy and fit or they are not making good choices, mm -hmm. they're not really living what they're preaching. Um, so if you're going to go out and be a leader, be a leader, be that role model Ooh. for someone, yeah. um, really live it if you're going to, to gonna, say that that's your role. Yeah. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode where we've discussed so many different leadership principles and, and hopefully some very strategic tactics that our listeners can maybe use in um, the employees that they supervise to help them with their critical thinking and self-efficacy or um, maybe if they're in education with their students, or maybe even just with their kids to help them think through through their experiences, but to make sure we're holding ourselves accountable and practicing what we preach if you will, whether it's in athletic coaching or in education or yes, in leadership. Well, Sarah, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. It's always exciting to me when I get to learn from other leadership nerds, especially when it's a practical strategy like cognitive coaching. Asking reflective questions like, what caused you to take that action? And how did that experience compare to how you thought it might go? Can prompt the people you lead to reflect, assess, and identify the actions needed for growth in their work. You can find additional links to resources about cognitive coaching in the show notes. Sarah and I went through our doctoral program together, and you got a sneak peek of what our study sessions were like today. A little of this, a little bit of that, sharing experiences and things we've read. I absolutely recommend finding a person in your circle that you can nerd out with. Perhaps this is a professional development coach or a professional mentor. These accountability partners can ask you these same reflective questions as you grow professionally. Thanks for listening to Women of the Bluegrass. 
I know you could be listening to an audiobook, jamming to music, or arguing with the news, but I'm grateful you chose to spend half an hour of your day with us. If you'd like to recommend a female leader in your community with a great story to tell to be a guest on this show, shoot me an email at kycommunicationcoach at gmail.com. While you're at it, drop a five-star rating, share this episode with a friend, and hit that subscribe button. Have a great week.